Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. We are beginning a new six-week study entitled Communicating with Your Family. We are being led by Rick Wirtz from Faithful Fathering Initiative of Texas. We meet on Thursday mornings from 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. We welcome you there at the Fellowship Center at Houston's First Baptist Church. Hope to see you soon and have a great day. Today I want to also introduce Rick Wirtz to you guys. Rick is with Faithful Father Initiative of Texas. And basically, he does two or three classes all over the city, or do you go all over the state? All over the state, and he also runs a father-son, father-daughter camp that he'll probably tell you a little bit about. Uh, so if you have sons or daughters, a great opportunity about an hour away in Camp Choye. And speaking of Camp Choye, October 2nd and 3rd will be our men's retreat from this church, and we will be at Camp Choye as well. It's an hour away in, at Lake Livingston, beautiful camp. And it'll be an absolute great time. We're hoping to have about 300 men there. And so if y'all would go ahead and save the date for that, it's going to be, I think, roughly about $75 for the Friday-Saturday deal. Um, Don't want to waste any more time. I want Rick to come up here. Good morning, man. It's a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, Let's open in prayer and we'll get going. Lord, do praise you for this day. What a beautiful day it is. And gosh, what a blessing it is to be together with brothers to uh, just... uh, share and and, uh, some challenges we face as men and to move forward with the boldness and confidence in relationship with you. Lord, I ask you to open our hearts to what you have to say. I ask you to keep me personally out of your way or in your way to just the right degree that uh, your words be heard and spoken and that uh, we would be a little bit closer to you when we leave this place than we were when we came in. So guide us in our discussion, bless our time together, and we lift these things up in the name of the risen Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, well, first of all, let me make sure before they're in too much shuffling, I will ask you, there will be a small group breakout. We'll be following the same format that uh, that men's, life, men's fraternity did, which means I'll be speaking about 30 minutes, maybe, give or take, 30, 40 minutes, and then we'll be breaking out in small groups. So I ask that you be in groups of no less than three, no more than five, and uh, look around, make sure they don't look like you. In other words, if your hair is as receding as mine, find somebody who has more hair, you know, or... I wouldn't say if they make any other references, but make sure that because when we do our small group time, we will break out in small groups, and I'll ask that you try to, you know, we may shift around, but I'd like you to keep those small groups for the six weeks that we'll be together, okay? All right, uh, my name is Rick Wirtz, uh, blessed to, to run the Faithful Fathering Initiative in Texas. We established this as a standalone 501c3 back in, uh, in 2000. Uh, you know, I began to realize, I realized over the years that, uh, I, do a, I did a lot of schooling. I even went to four years of university to, to be proficient at my profession and spent 15, 20 years in the corporate world. I realized I got no training on uh, being a dad or in, in the art of communication other than just what was going on. And uh, so that's, that's what I was convicted. I'll share some of my story with you over the six weeks. But that's why we exist as a Faithful Fathering Initiative in Texas. We work to encourage and equip men in their role as a father. Or, and we work with dads, dads-to-be, father, we're all father figures, men. And so we're influencing folks around us. And so we work to do that through workshops, through studies like this, and through uh, retreats. So it is a blessing to be here with you. The good news is I get to keep learning which is uh, I have two kids. My daughter is 22 and my son is 20. Uh, my daughter is graduated from college, lives up in New York City, and uh, my son's a sophomore down at U of H. And I guarantee you they know that I'm not the perfect dad, so I want to make sure I eliminate that real quick because I'm a dad in front of you. 
and uh, always give out their cell number. If you want to call and check with them, they'll be happy to tell you. Uh, but what they do know is that I've been busting at the last 15 years to be a little bit better tomorrow than today. And that's really our walk as a Christian, isn't it? We just want to be a little bit closer to Christ tomorrow than today, knowing that we're going to stumble, we're going to trip, we're going to, we're, we're going to have some hitches along the way. But that's what we're here to do over this time together is just uh, work to do that. Uh, a couple things about this study. This is who went through Quest for Authentic Manhood. Anybody done that? Okay, you remember how Quest kind of beat you up for about ten weeks? Well, this is only going to be two weeks of getting beat up, okay? And then we'll spend the last four weeks equipping and, and encouraging as we move along. So I want to let you know the first two weeks we are going to look inside a little bit, not not near as bloody as as Quest was, but we're going to look inside a little bit and and some negative communication patterns and that type of thing. And then the next four weeks, we'll spend specifically equipping you in listening and, and uh, handling problems. We'll, we'll work to uh, enhance things that are going right in your communication. We'll work to help you uh, address conflict and problems specifically. And finally, the last week, we'll work on affirming and blessing our wives and children. And so that's kind of the flow that we'll be going through in this time together. Uh, I've given you my information. I'll, like I said, I'll share a little bit my, more of my story. I want you to know I'm here to be real. I want this to be as informal as we can. They got me up high a little bit, but I want you to know if I say something that drifts from Scripture, raise your hand and ask me, hey, where'd you get that? Because I, what I am not here to do is give you Rick Wirtz's philosophy on communicating effectively and, and in, in a role as a dad. I'm here to share my best interpretation and understanding of what the Word of God has to say. And I want to make very sure that you hold me accountable to that. Can you do that? And so if I hear if you hear something that just words his opinion, say, hey, is that just your opinion or is that in Scripture somewhere? And then I'll, I'll make sure I clarify myself, okay? Uh, so I'm here to be real with you. I ask that you be real with each other. And as you work in your small group, you'll have an opportunity to do that. And uh, so we'll work to make sure we uh, get out of God's way. All right. Well, we're, this, this, this study is called Communicating with Your Family. We've got, you've got the books in front of you, and uh, I'll, be, I'll, be in an, I'll reference some specific pages in there sometimes when I'm referring to, uh, to, to specific parts of that. But I'm going to give you, you know, a little, uh, I'm going to walk through each chapter each week, and then we'll, uh, we'll discuss it specifically as we move on. But there's no, uh, you don't need to have your head in the book. I want you to be, you know, have that dialogue with me as we're as we're working through this. What I, I do know, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, on the communication front, I have no problem. I mean, I, I communicate absolutely what I want to say, when I want to say it, to who I want to say it to. The issue I have is sometimes that person doesn't always receive what I said, <laughs> the way I said it, at the time I said it, and for the reason I said it. And that's where I have a little bit of a challenge. And I, I want to share with you that, you know, it, it you know, I, we, we've been married, this is, we're in our 29th year, and that says more about my bride's resiliency than my husbandry. But she, she's a fabulous lady. But, you know, yeah, I grew up with three older sisters, and I thought I fairly well understood women, you know, and, 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 and the emotions and the dialogue and what have you, but... Do you ever have that issue where you, you're walking through and sometimes you just doesn't matter what you say, you're in trouble? You know? And that's that that tension sometimes is a, is 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 tough. You know, we have to blast through this. And uh, that I've run into that wall. Or with your kids. You you know, my uh my daughter had this uh this knack when you when she was mad you heard her go up the stairs, boom, 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 a door slammed. 
Anybody have, I didn't ask you, how many have teenagers? Lift up specific prayers. Lord, let's give uh, men, these, these men patience to, to work through those teenage years. Who has kids that are uh, younger, you know, under two? Under two, all right. How about uh, four to eight? And nine to 12? Okay, and grown. Who has grown kids? Do we get to retire from this job as dad? No, we don't. Uh, what I realize is that you know those things happen. Whatever, sometimes their day, just like our day, we'll have some challenges. We'll have those uh, those issues that come up with our communication, and to to realize that you know what is good communication, and how am I contributing? To my daughter stomping up the stairs, or door, door slamming, or or when I try to communicate with my son, and all I can get is, huh. <laughs> now, that's that's me as a teenager too. I didn't have but when I wanted to say something, I said something. Otherwise, I didn't want to be approached. Didn't want anything to do with it. So these are the challenges that I face is in in understanding that it I've got to do more. And what I want to encourage you in here is the fact that we have a role, you know. And, Anytime there's a communication issue, I would like to point the finger at somebody else. What I was convicted of, I'm sorry, sir, let me get you. You'll sign in later, that's fine. I'll, let me hand this to you so you can get going. Yes, sir. You need a pen? You got a pen? It's very easy for me to point the finger somewhere else. Well, they don't understand me, it's their issue. And what I had to understand is, particularly in my role as a dad, is I had to take responsibility for this. So I'd, I want to start off by talking about some of these roles that we have as as dads. And uh, we have bearer of divine blessing. You know, Genesis 27, you saw, you remember Jacob got that blessing of Esau's, right? He got his dad, Isaac, blessed him, and that equipped him. That was the birth of Israel, really, wasn't it? So you know that 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 power, that divine blessing, is a is a key. Being the head of the family, Joshua 24:15 came in and said, "You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Uh, you also have the authority to be respected, and in, in, in Genesis 20:12, uh, you got the commandment: "What with a promise, you, know, you honor and respect your father and mother, and your your years will be long." You know, and I'll look at a few of these a little more specifically. Family priest. Who knew that you were considered to be a family priest? Yeah, in the in the uh, Exodus, you know, we, they were the it was the dad that was to put the uh, blood over the over the mat over the uh, the doorway to to allow the uh, the death to pass by. Provider and protector. This is one I got busted on. You know, I I had two prayers when I busted out of the house at age 13 that I, I would have a happy and healthy family that I didn't know growing up and I'd be somewhere above the poverty line that we were well below. So I took this particular role to heart. I wanted to be a provider for my family. I chased that financial security to the point of a fault. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But Timothy 8, or 1 Timothy 5.8 says that if we don't do that, we're actually worse than a non-believer. So yes, that's a responsibility. That's a role, but that's not the only role we have as, as, as men. And finally, being a family teacher. Deuteronomy 6.7, where are we supposed to... Preach the word when we lay down, when we get up. You know, so let me break a few of these. I want to look at a few of these specifically. Being the head of the family is is the is obviously one of the key roles. And I I, I don't know. Do you remember Promise Keepers where they used to sing, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." And that was one of the songs that always just lifted up that place. I just thought that was a powerful, powerful uh, 
hymn that uh, we sing often in church. And I, Joshua is one of my favorite uh, uh, men that uh, you know steps up in battle, did what he was supposed to do, followed in Moses' footsteps. What big foot? You know, what big shoes to fill, huh? Or sandals? And but it is in reading Joshua that I realize how significant it is that our Heavenly Father shares that moniker Father with us. Is that cool? Do you ever think about how powerful uh, that ins- the insinuation that brings with it, that we actually share the moniker Father with our Heavenly Father? And Joshua exemplified that in his walk when he said, hey guys, you go, you go serve whoever you want to serve, but by gosh, serve somebody. But for me and my house, I'm taking responsibility. We're going to serve the Lord. What a powerful statement. And then, of course, the last words in the Old Testament, Malachi 4.6, it says, they'll turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Bless and the prophet to Elijah to strike the land with a curse. You see, and that, so you, that intentionality, turn the hearts of fathers. There's an intentionality there that says it's up to the fathers take this, to lead this way. Why? Because we're the head of the family. We're the head of the family. Authority to be respected. This is, this is scriptural, man. You know, 2012, like I said, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, commandment with a promise. Uh, in Ephesians, there's an extensive uh, reference. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, let's talk first about 21.15. Exodus 21.15 had the, uh, a reference to to say that, uh, let me get back here, I'm sorry. Exodus 21.15 references that uh, we're, says anyone who attacks his father or mother must be put to death. You know, that's pretty, those are pretty harsh words in there. You know, so that's, uh, there's a respect that goes with that role as a father. And uh, Proverbs 23, uh, 22 we're convicted to uh, to say that at the uh, 23:22 says, "Listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother when she is old." So listen to your father. I like that Bill Cosby line. I brought you in this world. I can take you out. That's why he he wants to get your his message was to get your bluff in early and often to a young man before he gets strapping, you know, uh, big. But is that what is that what society tells tells us today about men? Is there a lot of respect conveyed when you watch television? You know, we used to have Father Knows Best, Leave It to Beaver, The Bill Cosby Show. You know, wasn't there an inherent respect with the dad when he walked in the house? Today we have The Simpsons. Enough said. If society's view, and you know, I mean, in the worst case, we're seen as sperm donors, right? That, that's what's happening in society. There, there, it seems almost easier to have kids than it is to commit to that relationship in marriage. And that's a challenge, and that's a lack of respect for the design that, uh, that the Lord has for us. The authority is to be respected, and uh, society doesn't necessarily encourage that uh, anywhere along the way. Is that our problem or their problem? It's our problem. You know, we've, got to, we've got to work with it. Now, the question is, well, how do we earn that respect? Don't we earn supposed to be given respect? Well, yes and yes. Yeah. Yes, we're, we are to be respected. In fact, in Ephesians 5, uh, 
33, uh, 20, in, the, in the last part of Ephesians 5, we have a reference there that says men are to love women, right, unconditionally as Christ loved the church. What does it say about women? Are they to love the men? There's no reference there, but the word respect is there. And that's our challenge is to, to encourage that and, and exemplify that by our, through our servant leadership in the home. That's what we have to take responsibility for. Being the family teacher, Deuteronomy 6-7 is very extensive in, in talking about how often we're to bring these words forward to our family. Primary responsibility. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we have to, to move forward with is that uh, in Exodus 13-14 says, in the days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? In other words, the word... He said, with a, say to him that with a mighty hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We're to share all that the Lord has done in our lives, in our walk, and in our day-to-day -day interaction with our kids. That's how we teach. It's like the preacher always challenges you. We're to share that gospel 24-7, right? And when necessary, use words. That's, that's the, the, the leadership that we have to exemplify as we move forward. I love Isaiah uh, 38, 19 had a, had a powerful reference in uh, one of my, again, one of my favorite books, Isaiah 39, uh, 39 38, 19 says this, it says, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Fathers tell their children's, uh, children about your faithfulness. Father tell their, fathers tell their children about our Lord's faithfulness faithfulness. And the role is confirmed again in the New Testament, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, uh, references that uh, we're to uh, instruct, it says we're not to exasperate our children. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on this earth. Now, Ephesians 1, 4, the 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And my admonishment to you is, if we bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, there will be no exasperation in the house, you see. So that's it's the second half of that verse that I wanted to emphasize, and, and the last half becomes easy, because then we won't exasperate our children. So that's... That's a, a look at the roles that we wanted to, I wanted to address real quick. Just to understand that, uh, that, that these are specific roles, scripturally grounded, that a dad has. Have you ever heard of those six roles? Bits and pieces of them, yeah. yeah but to take responsibility for them is what we're working for. The other side I want to challenge you with is the fact that uh, the power that we have as men. If you look on page 11, uh, Dr. John Gottman made a reference here, and I'll just, I'll just give an excerpt here. It says, research indicates, for example, that boys with absent fathers have a harder time finding balance between masculine assertiveness and self-restraint. Boy, isn't that a shocker. <laughs> Didn't you want to push the envelope a little bit when you were a teenager? Yeah? yeah what does society have today in the way of a passage for a young man? The closest thing I can think of is an Eagle Scout. That if a dad's involved in that Eagle Scout passage, and that's that's somewhat of a passage. Uh, we're blessed to work with Camp Choye to do a father-son passage event.
but society as a whole, there's nothing out there that says, all right, today you're a boy, now you're a man. Anything? When did you become a man? Your car? Your first serious relationship? When you got married? Is there a delineation point where you understood, all right, I'm a man today? Tough step. But the power, what I said, the power of the father is, consequently, it's tougher for them to learn self-control and to delay gratification, skills that become increasingly important as boys grow to reach out for friendship, academic success, and career goals. A father's positive presence can be a significant factor in a girl's academic and career achievement as well. Girls whose fathers are present and involved in their lives are less likely to become sexually promiscuous at a young age and more likely to forge healthy relationships with men when they become adults. Isn't that powerful? Does that convey a unique power? You know, what happens so often is, uh, you know, as men, when our daughters, young ladies, these cute little girls become young women, all of a sudden, ooh, that up hug that they used to give us with all arms and all legs around us, maybe we feel a little bit uncomfortable about now that they're young women. Is that our problem or their problem? It's our problem. You know, today, I mean, what would you think if a young lady all of a sudden realized Dad was rigid when she wanted to give him a big hug? Wouldn't that convey something? And the challenge is that she'd probably go get that hug somewhere else if she couldn't get it from Dad. Now, my daughter and I modified that. I swing her to the side and I cradle her to this day. That's our up hug. That's our kind of a, kind of like that instead of all arms, all legs. But I encourage you to get that, you know, push out all arms, all legs as long as you can because that's the greatest feeling in the world when a little girl comes up and just wraps herself all around you. But that's, that's our challenge, isn't it, to understand that when we even unintentionally, with good intentions actually, not, not, to, uh, uh, not to let the young lady side of, of her intimidate our, our, uh, our relationship because of our previous perceptions of, of our teenage years, you see. So all the things that we do as dads have a powerful impact. Uh, Dr. Canfield says that it's enormous power that we have, and that power isn't a choice. That's proven in your prison systems. PD, uh, CJ, uh, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, 90-plus percent of men incarcerated grew up without dads, without dads in their lives, involved in their lives. Furthermore, 70-plus percent of convicted felons are following their dad's example, whether they knew their dad or not. That's power. And you, my challenge to you, or my, my communication to you is that that power isn't an option. Our only option is whether we're going to be very intentional about being very positive influence or if we're going to let it be a negative influence. And that's a matter, that's where I tip my cap to you here today. Just the fact that you're here says, I'm intentional about being effective in my communication. And I, that's, that's 90% of the battle right there, just to be willing to come in and learn. And yes, it is a generational impact. What does uh, 24, uh, Exodus 24 say? That the sins of the father go out three and four generations. Three and four generations. I can uh, validate that in my own home with the alcoholism. My dad was an alky, his dad was an alky. You know, these, these sins are, are perpetuated. 
And uh, it only comes to the power of Christ that we're able to break those cycles. And that's, that's the generational impact that just happens. Now, what does he say about the love of the Father? How long does the love of the Father go out? A thousand generations. A thousand generations. I want some of that thousand generation stuff. How about you? Yeah? That's what we're looking at. So the power of the Father is, is so significant. And, and I just I want to encourage you for these two things. In, in drawing on quest for our thing, manhood, I encourage you to, to make sure that you're rejecting passivity in all the roles that you have as a father. Those six roles, there's actually more, but those are the six primary roles that we'd like to identify today. Reject passivity in those roles and accept responsibility for the power that you have as a dad. Because it's only when you accept that that you'll say, okay, when it comes to communication issues in my house, I'm going to accept responsibility for that. And when we do that, then we can start to communicate effectively. And that's, that's what we're here to talk more about. How do we communicate effectively? I don't know about you, but when I, when I, when I was dating my bride, you know, we, I'm an old tennis bum, uh, and I'd, we'd go out for fun, we'd go out and hit tennis balls, right? And, you know, being that I was a college tennis player and all that stuff, then I was able, I was qualified to give her some lessons while we were dating. And, boy, those lessons were met with giggles and, ha-ha, <laughs> we, we just had a good old time. What happened when we got married? All of a sudden, these lessons became criticism. Did I change? Did she change? I don't know, but something in that deal changed. So I, I'm saying that before children, it was a challenge just to move from boyfriend-girlfriend dating and, and all that all that uh, emotional relationship, all of a sudden we're married, that introduced a new dynamic in our, in our communication. Is that real or no? Yeah? That's, that, uh, there was a difference in that communication. And I, I had a hard time understanding why, when I said the same thing I said when we were dating, why that was taken differently now. And that's just the reality of the situation. I had to be more intentional to, to understand that what the dynamics are in this relationship. See, we came into this relationship with expectations, didn't we? She had expectations of me as a husband. Maybe they were to be like her dad. Maybe they were to be 180 degrees out of sync with her dad. But she had expectations. And I had expectations of her as a wife, didn't I? I didn't want her to be necessarily just like my mom. I wanted her to be her. But we never really talked about those expectations. So that intentional communication to talk about some of these things is, is what I really counsel young couples to do. At least have a dialogue. You know, what do you expect from me? <laughs> you know, and, and what was your experience with your dad? What do you, what we, and that's, that's really at the end of the day, sometimes how we enter into marriage, isn't it? We want somebody just like our mom or maybe 180 degrees out of sync with our mom. And we think we have that, and then as we get into the married relationship, then we realize everybody's quite unique, but we can't have false expectations, all right? And it gets even more interesting, of course, when kids come into the picture, because then the, the whole dynamic shifts. Let me share with you, there's a clip I want to share from one of my favorite movies called uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Y'all seen that? This is Steve Martin, and uh, they've, they've got a dozen kids. And uh, they, they've made some life decisions, and they've made a big move. And in the middle of this big move, the mom is off running a book tour, and, and uh, this, this family is seen as a big, happy family. And they're, they're fixing to be uh, lifted up on the Oprah Winfrey show. 
So let's let's visit the, this family right before uh, right before they get ready to get taped as the big happy family. Okay, everybody. I know it's been a difficult day, but I need all of you, and I would really appreciate if you could just put on happy faces. All right? Everything's great. We're a big happy family. And if you can remember all the lines I told you, nice things to say to Oprah. Love your hair, things like that. If you can't remember, don't say anything. Big smiles. Let me see them. Mom, Beans is dead. Nobody cares about your stupid frog right now, FedEx, okay? Stop calling me that! What's the name of this segment again? Uh, One Big Happy Family? Okay, I'm calling Oprah's people right now. All I'm saying is these families are inevitable. It's like death or taxes. Does that mean you don't want children? Leave him alone. Hello? They're monsters. Ow. Ow. Honey, you can't want this. That's why you're with me. calling episode, one reaction, and, and all of a sudden, if you turn to page uh, 15, I think this is an excellent reference to, to understanding how this uh, matrix can get so discombobulated within, within the structure of the family. As you, you know, you, we learned, to, we finally learned to communicate as husband and wife, and then all of a sudden we have to communicate as a mom and dad as well. A husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, then mom to child, dad to child, child to child. You see how you end up with a whole conglomeration of, of communication efforts trying to land a punch or trying to, trying to make a connection. And when we do that, we realize that it becomes you know, our challenge is to, to manage this, to get this under control. Does it seem unsurmountable sometimes? You have a rough day at the office, we come in with our own issues. And that's where we begin to understand that we are we have to have some kind of structure, some kind of approach to make sure that we're not coming in to complicate the issue, but we're accepting responsibility to minimize the, the uh, opportunity for miscommunication. So when you see that matrix, does that pretty well draw a picture, a pretty effective picture? You can see they've, they've, uh, they've etched out their uh, half and perceived communication, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But our challenge is to either... You know, we're either going to end up with effective communication or we're going to have a complete breakdown like they had here. Oprah, for some reason, decided not to show up at this, uh, this house. You know, so that's, uh, that's, where, that's where that went. To, to sensitize you to this, I have a, a few questions for you on half communication. If, and I'll, I'll just share mine, I guess, at the end of the day. Family members suggest I don't listen to them. I don't know if it has something to do with my paper being open, the television being on, or you know, talking on the cell phone. I don't know what it is, but for some reason they, they don't think I listen to them. I usually can't restate what someone just said because I knew what they were going to say before they said it, so I know what they were really meaning to say, so I don't care what they said. You know, that's half communication. 
I usually respond quickly, sometimes interrupting the person talking to me. I don't know why I would need to listen to the rest of what they had to say. I knew what they were going to say, right? So I, I would cut them off, and, and, and that would be that. That's called half communication. Family members say I sometimes respond rudely to their suggestions. Well, that's their perspective. I communicate. I don't ever respond rudely. I guess, obviously, they think I do. You know, that's that's the issue. Isn't perspective uh, reality? At the end of the day, it's how they receive it, not how you give it. You know, the preacher gives three sermons every Sunday. The one he gave, the one he meant to give, and the one you heard. You know, that's the way communication is. When it's half communication, we aren't really taking in the whole picture. I rarely talk in complete sentences. What do you do? Come on, you can't. That's the way I would go through a, a discussion with my son or with at a dinner table, trying to you know get exasperated about a bad day or, or that they brought home a bad report card or that there's been a, a you know a bad exchange in the house of not respecting their mother. You know, I would not listen to the whole story. I'd proceed to judge and pass judgment and and emphasize that what I had to say was the most important thing at the time. That's how I would stimulate half communication. If you answered yes to any of these, then there's some half communication going on in your home. Anybody busted? All right. The other side is <clears throat> I can demand respect all I want. But am I indeed showing in that respect? I raise my voice, even yell a lot at home. This is uh, this is a uh, an issue of where I show a lack of respect to someone else. Now, does that mean I shouldn't be respected? Not necessarily. It just means I've put myself too close to that line, probably, to be disrespected. I forget to use my kids' names when I'm talking to them. I, uh, I'd always call my son boy. I didn't realize how intimidating that tended to be until he actually forgave me personally for some sin in my life that had affected him, and I shared with him that I can no longer call him boy because a boy can't forgive a man. Only another man can forgive a man. And that's when I realized how degrading I had been by calling him boy instead of by his name. You know, but those are the things I had fallen into that convicted me that I really wasn't showing respect the way I need to. I rarely get to make my requests known in person to my family members. I rarely get up to make my requests known. That lazy boy is pretty comfortable. They, they can hear me when I yell. Why is that ineffective communication? Is that showing them respect? I can get pretty sarcastic in response to what other family members say. That that really that really is one of my weak links right there. That's sarcasm. I like to I can be sarcastic. What do we know about sarcasm? It's taken in the mood that it's received. It's just like email, huh? How many of y'all gotten in trouble in email by sending something and somebody received it in the mood they were in? That I've seen many jobs lost over this deal. <laughs> You know, and that's the way it is when we're talking, when we're using sarcasm in, in communication, sometimes that jabs a little bit deeper than we intended to, or maybe we did intend it to. 
the sarcasm is very dangerous, whether it's a pet name, whether it's a, a reference to a past event, whether it's a physical characteristic. You know, these sar this sarcasm can really cut to the cut to the core of a, of an insult and and really disrespect someone. I often ignore my wife's requests for help. I've had a rough day, eat dinner. I don't know why she needs help in the kitchen. I need to go sit. I want to go relax. You know, these are the things that I had to be more cognitive of to understand that I, again, in my role as a father, as a teacher, as priest in the home, you know, I'm a servant leader. I had to accept responsibility for those roles and understand that if I do that, then I'm having a powerful influence. Why? Because the power of the father. That's that's the responsibility I had to accept. So if you look, you know, there are some uh, on pages uh, 18, I think, is where that uh, that respect quiz is, and uh, you can you can rate yourself there as you read through the work this week. But I, I just wanted to share that because respect is paramount in our walk as a father. And yes, we are to be given that respect, but for whatever reason, there's a lot of negativity out there around dads today. And we have to accept responsibility for where we are, know that God will meet us where we're at, and then he'll equip us to, to improve the situation. <clears throat> Let me move forward with this uh, good communication. In uh, Ephesians 5.33, that's where I was referencing that the mutual respect uh, was, uh, was very, very key in, uh, in working through these issues. Let me read that real quick. Re Ephesians 5. Uh, 33 says, however, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's the reference I was making earlier. We're backing up to 31. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Let me stop right there a minute. Where is that from? Back in Genesis, right? Genesis 2.24, we leave our mother and father, unite with our wife, and become one. Why one? Malachi 2.15 says, we are one for the sake of raising a godly generation. For the sake of raising godly offspring, it's actually the way it reads. That's a pretty significant role, isn't it? Can you see why society is struggling today? And why we need to accept responsibility for our home? Because I guarantee you it's one man, one family at a time that we begin to have an influence in our church. And the church then begins to have an influence in the community. And then our community has an influence across the city. You know, that's what we have to do. But it starts right at home. That's why we're the priests of our home. Each member will know that he or she is being heard by the other. That's good communication. <clears throat> Family problems and fights are solved without anger. You know, 1 Corinthians says, you know, God is a God of order. He's, I mean, he's a God of peace. He's not, he's not a God of disorder. He's a God of order and a God of peace. Our challenge is to keep that in, in a good, uh, good setting, good calm setting. Members, humbly seek and receive forgiveness. Galatians 5, uh, 22, 23 has a lot to say that uh, as we move forward, uh, 
Galatians 5, 22, 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's our, that's our call, to humbly be that servant leader and seek that love and show that love. Family members freely give verbal blessings and affirmations. Mm, what a beautiful home that is. Freely give blessings and affirmations. Let me give you some tips for this week, and then we'll, uh, we'll begin our small group time. I encourage you to use the first names in, uh, in your communication this week. Use your first names for your kids and, and everything you do. If you've got a pet name, make sure it is, you know, quantify that he or she appreciates that pet name. Make requests for help or action face-to-face. -face. Make sure you've got that eye contact and just, you know, say it in a way that is honorable and face-to-face. Reflect God's peace in your tone with your tone of voice. Reflect God's peace with your tone of voice. Remove defensive words or actions from conversations. Remove defensive words or actions from your conversations. Don't let those defenses percolate up. Ah, oh, she's going here because she's going to go here and I'm going to get my defense up and I'm not going to let that happen. Get that wall built real quick. Be sensitive to potential insults and the use of sarcasm. Just kind of keep your keep your uh, antenna up to see uh, where are there some potential insults in your in your communication, and uh, uh, and and calibrate your use of sarcasm. I gave my bride the uh, the right to to give me a slap of technical on me anytime I used a sarcastic word that I you know, I just got in that mode and she could slap a T on me, <laughs> and that's I had to. Uh, I had to uh, leave the game for a few minutes. Honor your wife in front of your kids. So that's uh, that's the best way to uh, set a standard high. I don't know if you're a hugger or not, but you know they they your relationship with the mother of your children is that example that these kids grow up with in in understanding relationship. So as you honor her, then that becomes a. a, a uh, uh, mainstay in their reference to understand how they're to how they're to approach relationships as they mature. And this is where I become a choir director. I want you to practice this. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? So I want you know this is not you know who, who remembers the happy days and fawns you know and you know, he's a, he tries to say you're wrong. He never never he never could say that right. He never could say he was wrong because he in his mind he wasn't. So I I find it necessary to practice this with men. So I want you on the count of three. I want you to, to say these three words. Okay, one, two, three. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Now we you see that isn't going to get you too many points. With uh, but you have to be some enthusiasm in it, and there has to be some you know you have to mean it. I try it one more time, and you're talking to your to your bride or your girlfriend or say. I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? That's, that's a little bit better. All right, I want you to report back next week and that I want to know what happened. In this, in this. And I'll, I'll share with you, there's a time, and I'll, we'll, we'll get in this in a later session as well, but I was disciplining my son, and I crossed the line into anger. And one thing I always convict dads to do, and I convict myself to do, is when we're doing that and when we cross that line, and it will happen if it hasn't yet, 
Once you cross that line to anger, the discipline is irrelevant because you've lost the self-discipline, you see. And I just took a knee and I said, son, uh, I've crossed this line. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And then we forgot about the discipline. It's so powerful the way the Lord works through that humility and through a child to forgive. A wife will do the same thing. But that humility is what the Lord uses to get us more in sync and more in, in with what He's up to in our life and in our home. So I encourage you to, to look at that across a week as, as a tip. That uh, you know, use that and say, you know, be sure to, to if it if it's necessary, say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Okay, let me go ahead and break out. I want you to in your small groups here. I, first of all, there is homework. I, I think when we recruited this this group of guys, I said sisters need not apply because there is homework between the the classes. So I want you to review week one, reading pages nine to nineteen. Complete the homework. And just, if you do something every day or two, you'll be in fine shape. Just, just don't uh, don't let it sit until the night before our next session. I want you to identify the communi biggest communication in your home. That's something that you'll do through the homework. Initiate an action step and, and complete the uh, family sign-off on page 93 because I want your wife, your girlfriend, or your kids, or whatever, to sign off that, that they know you're here trying to work on, on, uh, on this dimension of, of your role. Uh, scripture memorization, go ahead and memorize Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and then you read the next week's work, uh, The Four Horsemen of, of the Apocalypse, and uh, that's your homework for the for the week. Now, for the small group discussion, number one is I want you to get in a group that's no less than three, no more than five, so if, if you guys would, would come down and, and join one of these groups, then that'd be good. Through, I want you to introduce yourselves, and as you're introducing yourselves, there are some prayer logs on pages 95 to 99. And you need to go ahead and complete those prayer logs for each member of your group because part of the homework is to pray for your group members and you'll have specific prayer requests. And you will be blown over how those prayers are answered across these six weeks. I guarantee you that. And finally, state your action step for the week. Commit to completing the homework to each other. I want you to commit that you'll complete the homework and be back on, uh, on next Tuesday. And then finally, close a small group in, in group prayer. Any questions on that? Anywhere I deviated? Y'all, okay. Anything you heard that was Rick Wirtz's philosophy? Okay. All right, I appreciate that, man, and I encourage you to, to make your small groups, like I said, no less than three. If y'all would come down and join somehow or another, make sure that uh, we have at least three, no more than five, in a group, and uh, go ahead and start your small group time. Let me wrap you in prayer as you do that. Lord, uh, it's a big step. As we as we embrace this study, we commit to each other to be real in our small group discussions, to uh, open our hearts to what you have to say through each of us. So I ask you to uh, just bless each of these groups, that uh, you will be very present uh, as they discuss your word and, and this study, and equip them well to support each other in prayer and uh, follow through on the commitment as we press on to walk a little bit closer to you tomorrow than today. I lift these things up in the name of the risen Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. Small groups.